Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, who's lost his mind. Today, we've got Marcus Almighty Mark, 69th Blizzard Ken, and Lonnie, St. Louis Kiss. What's up? We are going to be talking about the runner-up in the, the listener vote. We did give you a bunch of albums and ask for you to chime in. There was Genesis, there was Rock City Angels, there was Velvet Revolver, and there was Scorpions Love Drive. And, of course, Scorpions won, Ken, and Lonnie. This came in second place. So this week, we're going to be talking about Velvet Revolver's first album, Contraband, which was released in 2004. They had gotten together a couple years earlier, or a year earlier. Lonnie, why don't you give us the overview of them coming together and the stuff they were doing on VH1 and all that jazz? Well, the, the band itself had come together um, earlier. Matt Sorum, Duff McKagan, and Slash played together at a Randy Castillo uh, benefit concert after Randy had passed. And Josh Todd and Keith Nelson from Buck Cherry had joined them on stage um, for a few songs. And... I, I wish there was some recording of of that performance because all accounts are it was so electric that um, Slash Duff and Matt called each other the next day and said, hey, what do you think about doing something, you know, with with Keith and with Todd? So um, they originally brought Keith and Todd in. It didn't work out with those two for whatever, for, for different reasons. And they were let go pretty quickly. Um but they still wanted to do something together because, you know, I think when you find, you know, that that magic together, it's, it's undeniable. So Izzy Stradlin came in, wrote some songs with them. And Izzy being Izzy, um, it, it didn't work out with Izzy either. Um, so Dave Kushner was brought in to be the, the rhythm guitar player and they were searching for a singer. And I remember I do remember this when they were when they were searching for a singer hearing that that and i and i remember when izzy was brought in too hearing rumors that that they were they were working that they were working together on on a project and they didn't have a name yet um but it was exciting because it's like 2002 at this point you know um there is still no chinese democracy or any kind of sign of a chinese democracy album even at this point but but the other members of guns and roses getting together do, doing something was, was very exciting and they were kept looking for a singer and looking for a singer. And, you know, I'd heard rumors of, of Sebastian Bach. I'd heard rumors, um, obviously, the Josh Todd thing. Um, and then they, they had put out, it, it was it was a known thing that they were looking for a singer. And they put out ads and, and people were sending in tapes. And there, there was a VH1 special even about this. And it showed Slash and Duff and Matt going through all these tapes of, of different singers. And some, some were good, some were were horrendous and uh, as you can probably imagine but around the same time scott wyland and stone temple pilots broke up and in in the, the vh1 do, um, documentary kind of goes into that too and like i remember matt Sorm saying you know scott wyland you know rock star you know instant no instant notoriety and they brought him in and they did the song set me free which ended up on the hulk soundtrack in 2002 2002 2003 something like that 
and Scott being Scott, they had some some Scott had some some drug issues um, and the recording was put off. But eventually the album does get completed and comes out in June 8th, 2004. Um, and I saw them in May of 2004, actually, in St. Louis before the album even came out. It was the first stop on the tour was St. Louis, which is kind of a middle finger to um, the uh, the singer of Guns N' Roses that we're going to start our tour in St. Louis. But <laughs> Yeah, so I, I remember this band coming together as well because I remember I, I get excited about Izzy because I like Izzy. Mm-hmm. I I love Izzy. Izzy's really cool. Um, and I was hoping that they would get sung together. And one of the things I think is funny as well that you know when we mentioned Contraband, everyone was saying, "Oh, the uh, Richard Black album from 1991 with Michael <laughs> right. Schenker, Cher Penderson, and uh, Blotz and Tracy Gunzinger." And yeah, I would actually love to talk about that album because that is a that's a real fun you know supergroup from that period. But no, it, it is this one. They went through uh, some of the other vocalists were Kelly Schaefer, uh, mm-hmm. Neurotica, Pat. Briggs from Psychotica, Travis Meeks, and uh, Mike Machevec, who I have no idea who mo- any of those guys are. I mean, I recognize Sebastian Bach's name, obviously. Um, I never saw the VH1 documentary. And there's one other song that they did before they did the album, mm. and that is, of course, the cover of Pink Floyd's Money, which went on the Italian Job soundtrack. So set me free i remember that coming out and i was like really excited i was really excited that it was a possibility of a early use your illusion because obviously uh izzy had bailed during that tour um you know of that reunion with matt slash duff and izzy with a different singer would have been really cool i think i, I read or saw in the documentary that i, I was watching that josh josh todd they decided they didn't like his voice and the way he sang and they didn't like the original guitarist that they had um, because he just doubled what Slash was doing, didn't have enough character of his own. And I have no idea who the hell Dave Kushner is to that day. I, I was like, who the hell is this? Why is he? He's like some to me. He was like some no one. Just Wasn't he in random. Suicidal Tendencies or something? He was Correct. in Suicidal Tendencies. Um, he was in Wasted Youth. And then he was in one of the crossover bands as well. So, I mean, he, he was legit. He just wasn't in the area of music that I had any familiarity with. So when you go from having Izzy involved to having someone who you have no idea who it is involved, yeah. it was it was just a bit of a downer. So set me free, of course, with the Hulk soundtrack. I was like, wow, this is like Guns N' Roses. Because we were waiting for Chinese democracy. Mm-hmm. We were getting little bits and pieces played in various shows that were coming out on bootlegs, and it sounded promising, but it, it was like Axel was never getting any closer, so it made sense. I dislike Stone Temple Pilots. I never got into mm-hmm. them. So, Same here. Um, yeah, Mark, let's, let's start I with like you. And, and, and I you're think over. Yeah, All right, it's going to be two two versus two here. We see how things are breaking down already. You know, Mark, what was your take on on Velvet Revolver? Were you aware of them at the time that it was all kind of happening? And uh, you know, well, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. I was a big Guns N' Roses fan. I loved Appetite. I loved the Illusions records. I mean, the, the Illusion records. And this is much to most Guns N' Roses people, they don't really agree with me on this, but I prefer the Illusions records over Appetite. I, I don't know, I just like them better. Because to me, there's much more expanse in the kind of style of writing. There's more like, there's like piano and there's horns and there's all the kinds of other stuff. The Guns, the, the, the Appetite stuff was just really straight ahead, hard rock stuff. And, and that's awesome. It's a fantastic record. Don't get me wrong, I love that record, but I just was more into the 
broadened sound that they went for in the illusions. But when they kind of took this long break, I, I started getting really annoyed because I loved them. I went to see them. I was full support of them. Then they put out that spaghetti incident thing. I was just like, what the hell is this? And then there was nothing for a long time, you know? And then I heard when I was out on tour in 2004, I heard uh, falling, falling to pieces, fall to pieces on the radio when I was out in my van. I was like, oh, what the hell is this? And, you know, I recognized Slash's guitar playing immediately when I heard it, but it was the voice I wasn't catching on right away because I hated Stone Temple Pilots. I, I couldn't stand them. And when they said, oh, that's the new band with, uh, you know, Miss Scott Whalen and Slash, I was like, really? He's in that band? And at first I thought I was like, eh, it's okay. You know, I, I didn't think it was too bad. Now, keep in mind, by this point, I had stopped listening to that whole Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and all the stuff that started to come on radio at this point in the 2000s, the radio rock, you know, all those all those typical bands, and I wrote them down here too. All the Green Days, Three Doors Down, Nickelback, Popper Roach, Godsmack. I was like, ugh, I was so gagging and puking when I heard this stuff. I had totally switched over to what I considered like the new breed of modern metal, but of mainly coming out of Sweden, like bands like In Flames, Opeth, the American stuff, Jag Panzer, Iced Earth, and that's what I was into. So I was totally disconnected from stuff like Velvet Revolver and all this stuff. So really, I got into this really, really, really late. Like, I, I can't say I know much about this record, apart from what I've listened to the last two, three weeks of it. But my introduction was Fall to Pieces on the radio when I was on tour, and really I knew nothing of it until maybe the last three weeks. Nice. Well, that's the whole idea of the show is to, you know, for us to explore music and pick stuff that may be an introduction to, for each other. So, Ken, um, you like Stone Temple Pilots? That surprises me. Really? Yeah, like it does, uh, actually. I mean, when you think about what you listen to on the Ronstadt and all that. And you yeah. find I have a this. wide variety of... <laughs> Never ceases to amaze. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of different and good music out there, so I don't just stick to one genre or whatever. Um, if it's good, it's good. Uh, so yeah, um, when this when I when I, I think you know I'm trying to remember about when they I heard first heard about this going on, but I heard I think something uh, about slash. Excuse sorry. Me. <laughs> 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 um, I first heard about a slash was put the back. I think a band together and sound like some Guns N' Roses guys and and then yeah I heard that uh, Scott Whalen I was like oh really so that that should be interesting and uh, I think I did hear that you know that first the first song I heard was Slither I believe so um, and then I just but the thing is I never I said oh, okay I gotta get this you know that's pretty pretty good I, I gotta get I never got around to ever buying it I just never <laughs> did it just kind of passed by. Yeah, I was listening to what Mark hates, like Green Day and stuff like that, you know, because I like Green Day. I like a lot of their stuff um, at that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it kind of happened. I heard the good song. I said, yeah, I, I need to get that. I'm going to get it. But then I never got it. Um, so I hadn't. I didn't really listen to it, that full album, for the first time, uh, the full album, until this morning. <laughs> wow that was the first time hearing the full album i feel um, don't feel so bad yeah yeah so you know the problem mark with chinese democracy that one it didn't have enough sauce 
anyway. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, that's that's about it. I, I you know I, I really I knew there is probably really good, and I, I heard a couple of songs, and I thought, oh, this is this is pretty good stuff. I was gonna get it, and I didn't get it. All right, Lonnie. So Scott wanted the band to be called Black Velvet Revolver, mm-hmm. slash mm-hmm. apparently just wanted Revolver. We know the Beatles had right. Revolver as a play on words for a record going round and round and round, just explaining that if anyone had never heard it. So it's a Velvet Revolver, a smooth record. I mean, is that what we're, we're talking about here? And what does everyone think of the band name? I thought the name was cool because it, it I, you know, I, I really like, the, the 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 revolver aspect in it being you had three members of Guns N' Roses involved it was a little bit of play on words you know um, I thought that was very appropriate and very needed you know I, I like the idea of it just being called revolver I think would have been even cooler but the velvet but velvet revolver has a has a nice ring to it and it's and it's a name you kind of it, it's a it's unique like Guns N' Roses too or it's a name you kind of remember. Um, when you hear it for the first time when you hear it because it's it's unique enough but it's but it's cool enough at the same time kind of kind of like the name guns and roses I, I thought it was very fitting um I, I like it better than black velvet revolver that's that's too much and too clumsy you know i don't you know what i mean it's just a name of a band should be pretty short and sweet and to the point it shouldn't be more than really more than two words i think it would have been too a little too clumsy um going that way but i i like um, I think I think the name's very appropriate. What do you guys think? Mark, Stone Temple Pistols or Black, <laughs> Black Velvet Revolver. Um, I think uh, Velvet Revolver is pretty good. I think that when I whenever I heard the name, the first thing that came to my mind was not a turntable. It, it was a gun, like revolver. So mm-hmm. I thought that maybe that was kind of their, you know, backhanded salute to Guns N' Roses, calling themselves Velvet Revolver, right? Uh Black Velvet Revolver, uh, too long, just like Lani, Lonnie said. And I kind of get the feeling that Black Velvet, you know, when I think of that, I think of like booze or something like that. So it's not a surprise Scott Whalen thought of that. But uh, I mean, and Revolver is also kind of, you know, a magazine too. Isn't there a magazine called Revolver Magazine? So, I mean, there, there would have been probably a lot of brouhaha just using that name. So I think Velvet Revolver is a good name. Yeah, and there was a band called Revolver in New York because mm. Jay Mala who was a punk singer or garage singer from the 60s joined the Joe Perry Project. Sorry, shut up. Ken, band name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a good band name. I, I, I understood it pretty much right away um, based on the band members, the revolver part, of course. Um, I'm glad they just didn't do revolver. Is you, You'd think that, oh, yeah, they're just, you know, they're tipping their hat to the Beatles or something, but they don't sound anything like the Beatles, you know. So... I think it's a good thing to put something in front of the revolver name, and yeah, velvet revolver. It sounds, you know, it's smooth. It works. Yeah, and you can't use gun because that was a good Scottish band called Gun. All right, um, let's go into overall thoughts of the album. It was released on June the eighth, two thousand four. Obviously, as Lonnie's already told us, "Set Me Free" had been out on the Hulk soundtrack before that, but it was. Uh, I think it was remixed or re-recorded for this album. Uh, is that true? I think it's remixed. There's, there's, there's very subtle difference. I'm, I, if, if I listen to it, I can, I can hear a very, very minor differences. But yeah, and pretty, I haven't listened to this true. album in donkey's years uh, until this show came up. So, you know, a little bit like Ken and Marka, for that matter, it's taken a little bit of getting back into. So, Ken, since you listened to it freshest, 
Um, first impressions. Yeah, what were your initial <laughs> thoughts of this album? What are the overall things that you like or dislike? And then we'll get into picking favorites from the uh, from the album. Uh, I, well, I, I like the album. It's pretty. It's pretty darn good. Um, there's no real song on there that I, you know, I say, you know, you know that that song just you know, bl- you know blows or whatever sucks, you know. But there's nothing on there like that. It's it's pretty. It's very consistent. Um, and it's, and it's, you know, guitar riffs and rocking and singing and, and, and the performance itself. So, um, I really thought some songs had some, you know, some were a little bit better than other ones. Obviously there's some that stand out to me that we'll get to, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was pretty good. There's, there's some things that didn't maybe like is, um, sometimes the vocals to me, or either not, and this is all you really wrong. I guess it's like being picky, but under, understanding the the lyrics to some on some of the songs, um, what he's singing, or the vocals are too far back in a couple of songs. To me, um, a little bit, it should be at more up front sometimes. That's that's bad. I mean, that's just nitpicking. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's it's a it's a good rocking album. All right, Mark. You know, you, you picked this up a few weeks ago for preparation for this. How's the overall product for you? Um, and it's not nitpicking, Ken. Honestly, I think that what you've said is very valid. Um, sometimes vocals can be mixed a little too far back in the mix, and it becomes difficult to understand what they're, what people are saying. And I had a similar experience with some of this as well. I was like, what is he saying there? And some of the choruses mm. as well. Um, overall... I think, and I got I got to be careful how I phrase this because I know I'm going to start getting tomatoed for this. But uh, I find that this record to me is just what was going on at the time. It just seems like such a radio rock record. This thing, I mean, to me, it doesn't sound much different than what was going on at that time. You know, I mean, but if it wasn't for the fact that Slash was in there and I could pick out his playing and his playing adds so much to this music, mm-hmm. I find that it's you know. It wasn't something remarkably different than what was going on at that time period, you know. I mean, I, I I like it. It's a good rock record, but I mean, there was many elements of it that I found was common amongst it. Andy Wallace mixed it. He has such a notable notable sound to his mixes. You can tell he's done other one of these bands over around that time period as well because he has that sound that he does on his records is on this. It was during the whole let's see who can have the loudest CD era as well. So they had that going on. It was a very dense sounding CD, maybe a little too dense, you know. But it's a good rock record. I'll put it that way. Like it's definitely one of these uh, CDs that you would bring to a party, you know, bust out the two four and start, you know, listening to these songs. But I listen to this over and over and over again, and there are songs I like on there, and I'll talk about them when we get to that. But I found it difficult to remember a lot of these songs. They weren't really overly catchy in my opinion, but they were, but they're, but they're good. It's a, like I said, it's a good party thing. It's almost kind of like how I first heard some of these other bands. Like when I hear like Godsmack and stuff like that, you know, it's catchy. It's cool. Do I remember some of these songs in the morning? Probably not, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to diss it because I love Slash as a guitar player. And I think like, let's go this way. Duff McKagan on Guns N' Roses, he was a big factor in there. His sound of his bass was very much a sound of their band, and I could pick out his bass playing 
anywhere on this record you could tell me it was joe blow from down the street playing bass and i would i would believe it you know so some of these mm-hmm. elements that would have added to the characteristics of the album are not there i find well lonnie i just dis- i couldn't disagree with mark more um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really couldn't. I think I think the sound of this record and the uniqueness of this record is so f- far removed from everything else that was going on in 2004. This album sounds nothing like Green Day. Sounds nothing like Godsmack. Sounds nothing like Three Doors Down or Nickelback or anything else that was popular at the time. It stands by itself, 100%. Slash's guitar playing, Matt on drums, and Duff. I mean, you I missed that combination and so much so that i can i can remember i mean this is so dates this 2000 2004 is ancient in 2021 because <laughs> and which is crazy to think about but i i had heard set me free obviously with the hulk soundtrack and the radio station in town was going to debut the new single from contraband i don't know a month or six weeks before the album came out you know just like you know debut singles come out and i was i remember driving around in the car and they said oh we're gonna play it in the two o'clock or three o'clock hour whatever it was and i just remember driving around driving around and i had to get out of the car for something to go into a store and came back in and i heard slither and i knew what it was right away because it has such a unique sound i knew that was slash on guitar i knew that rhythm section it sounds so much different than everything else. I mean, granted, it was a song I hadn't heard before. I'm like, oh, this is probably it. But it sounded so much different than everything else that radio station was playing at the time. It was such a breath of fresh air. And I remember um, hearing interviews at Slash and, and Duff and the guys were doing it at the time saying, you know what? America and the world really needs a good, strong rock record. And not this new metal stuff that was popular at the time and some of this watered down crap that was popular at the time. I mean, this is a heavy record. I mean, there, there's some ballads on there, but there are some heavy, heavy guitar driven songs on here. And I absolutely love this record because of it. Okay, interesting. Because when this album came out, my opinion hasn't changed from having it when it came out to re listening to it for this show. I still find the production very lacking. Um, and I'm just looking through, you know, um, the producer's list of credits from around that time. He's doing stuff like Static X, Linkin Park, um, yeah. Stained, yeah. you know, yeah. e- even Slayer, you know. And yeah. these days he's doing Justin Bieber, Florida, <laughs> Carly Rae Jepsen. <Wow. Jobson's>, uh, <laughs> you know, just just, to, just to stick the fork and you give too. me a reason to dislike him. No, what I what I find with it is it's a big rock record without a big rock sound. There's not a good separation between the instrumentations. I find it muddy in parts. Um, I'm missing a clarity of the backbeat again and read that as but Duff. Where's Duff? Andy Wallace. Um, I do hear, you know, there's one song that my notes are. It sounds like Matt Sorum's uh, hitting wet pancakes rather than <laughs> drums. I'm I'm not getting. Uh, I'm not getting a good. Yeah, Rick your guys' albums too. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting a consistent dynamism on the drums. There are some songs where the snare's like nice and tight, and you're getting a good snap on it, and other ones where it's cardboard boxy. So you're going from Revenge to Carnival of Souls within a within the same album in terms of the production. 
But, you know, in terms of overall, I think it's a really strong album material wise, but it doesn't have anything that catchy. I could remember, you know, some of the riffs, some of the melodies. So I think it probably is catchy enough for a band that only put out two albums anyway. You know, come on. And the last one, you know, I'm probably one of the few who's got that as well. There you go. I found my copy. Um, So over overall, I mean, it sounds dated which I don't think is surprising because of the era in which it was recorded, but the material is overall good enough. Um, and I think the overall consistency is pretty damn good. So, you know, I don't hate it. It's just, I, I don't think I own anything else produced by this guy. Oh yeah. But, he's also honest, brides. but that's the thing. Honestly, that's what I was trying to get at in terms of the fact that when you hear like gun stuff, there they had that really good production to it that good mixing to it mike clink did a great job with guns if he, mike clink would have came in and did the velvet revolver thing i think it would have been much better record overall like you said a lot of the songs there's good potential for them to be much better and much stronger than they were i think the mix definitely suffers the the whole record you know i agree with you 100 percent. it's very muddy in spots the vocals are way too back in some spots. They're overly reverbed and stuff. And it makes it difficult to pull out some of those vocals. I mean, you can never misunderstand Axel whenever he sang on the record. You can pick him out and hear his stuff no problem. That's production and mixing, right? But, you know, it, it's also a sign of the times, too, like we were saying earlier. So Exactly. No, I agree. It's sign, sign of the times. I was going to say that. Because uh, usually you get to these different areas. Everyone's producing the same that's that sound the current sound everyone's trying to go for that same sound um even you know today everyone you know it's a lot of the music sounds the same because they're going for that same sound and whatever um so it's it's always that way it's always been that way a lot of bands unfortunately don't you know uh or they they follow the trend and and just go with what's going on right now as far as sound unfortunately it happens and instead of having a producer that's gonna just do it you know differently than what what's going on in the music industry right now do you have any idea why they picked josh abraham to produce this any clue i don't i i I was gonna say that that if i do have one complaint about it and one wish about this album i wish mike clink would have produced it because Mm -hmm. i do love the sound of those guns albums Mm -hmm. so much Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a guy who could get the most out of those musicians and, and just make them shine with him. Um, I, I really do wish that he had produced the album. Why why they went the direction they did? Was it to just appease Scott? I really I really don't know. They're, you they're know, in, they're in fear of sounding dated. You know, even if it's like and, ten and years or something. I think a lot of it's the the bands feel like oh. We try to, you know, produce like we're gonna. It's like uh, we're dated, you know, because that's over yeah. with. Yeah, we went, we we've done that already. You know, it's been 13 years since Use Your Illusion had come out. You know, do we, yeah. do we? I, 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 that's an that's an excellent point. You know, do we want an album that sounds like it's 13 years old? No, we want to go with something that that's more fresh. Like, right. I, I guess it's the only reason I can think why they went that direction. Yeah, so maybe if you're out there listening, chime in on one of the threads, you know, wherever you listen to this. If you know the answer, let us know. We always, you know, love to learn stuff that we don't necessarily know while we're talking about it on on the show. Okay, let's get into favorites. 
because uh you know that's what this is about what is the best material on this album for you and why let's just do roundtable one pick at a time uh, we usually pick three uh favorites and uh, lonnie will of course say that all three are t- three-way ties so that he gets to pick the whole album uh mark <laughs> let's start with you and your uh, one of your favorite picks well i i gotta say that uh there are three songs to me that definitely stand out on this record, like really strong songs. And the first one is Fall to Pieces. I, I Ever since I heard it the very first time, it immediately caught me. And like I said, I was very surprised that that was Scott Whalen because I actually enjoyed listening to it. And I was like, this is the same guy from that band that I don't like. You know, that kind of shows me that he had a little bit of more to offer as a vocalist, you know, because of the way he sung on that. And like I said, I thought Slash did a, did a great job on guitar on this song just fantastic stuff yeah my notes on that one are oh a ballad pee break (laughs) 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 wow yeah ken well you know for my first pick i'll go with the same pick as mark i agree with fall the pieces i i circled that one um i said it was a nice change of pace uh in that song it's a you know it's a slower paced rocker um, and I and I wrote down something Guns and Roses would do would have done. It sounds like something that definitely could have been on one of their albums. So mm-hmm. it's it's it, very good song. All right, Lonnie. Um, I like Fall the Pieces. I really do. I I don't know if I put it in my top three on the record. Although I it, it's not going to be in my bottom three either. I, I do like it, and the, fir- the first time I heard it was um, they they started the tour in St. Louis, and the album wasn't out yet, and it was such a weird show because no 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 one knew any of the original songs. We we hadn't heard any of them, and then like the third song, they just go in the intro of Mr. Brownstone, and like the place just went berserk. I thought I was going to get crushed to death, <laughs> but. <laughs> But they did do Fall to Pieces that night, and Scott Weiland says, um, this song is about um, when my ex-wife left me, now we're back together, and it's been like one of the best years of my life. You, know, you can look up Scott Weiland, this on-again, on off-again relationship um, with his wife. And I was going through my divorce at the time, too, so it, it kind of hit home to me, like, oh, that's kind of, kind of. I was like right smack dab in the middle, and it was like, oh, that's kind of kind of interesting. So that, that song, and Scott's like 30-second like introduction on that song, you're like, stuck with me forever but i don't i'm not gonna put it my top three sorry ken my 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 number three um counting from three to one of my favorite um i'm gonna put do it for the kids um i think that's a fun song um little 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 language in it but it but that's guns and roses though too um it's it's very guitar heavy um kind of vulgar it kind of just reminds me of a of a guns and roses type song like ken said almost about fall of pieces that i could hear i could hear axel singing that song um, whenever i listen to it so do it for the kids is my number three what about that's, you julian that's a that's a decent song i so i just want to cover my notes on that it's like uh the went too fast i'm out of luck and i don't mm-hmm. even give a just get you can hear axel singing that no, it just it he just starts throwing them in randomly. It's like he he found he, he had some cadence there, and he's just gonna throw it. I just keeps doing it. just just I'm like shut up. But I like the vibe, so nice pick. All right, yeah, my first pick is the first song on the album, Sucker Train Blues. Great opener. Um, 
it's a great balance between the two guitarists at that time. A nice vocal, good phrasing, not too busy drumming, pretty, you know, kind of traditional. Uh, Lonnie's freezing up, which is really distracting. Good right. chorus, but the solo. This is, you know, first uh, song out, you've got a great guitar solo there, but it's also kind of axelish with the, the spoken stuff going on in it. So really good lead off track. I, mean, I always talk about what is important to me is for an album to start with something powerful, something dynamic, something that sets the tone for the rest of the album. Sucker Train Blues totally does. And you're all nodding your head. I'm like, OK, good. I picked something because I've, I've been insulting all your picks. <laughs> all right, Mark. Okay, one. um, so this my second pick, um, is Slither. I really like that song. I think that it was a very catchy song. Um, I like the playing in it. It's one of the songs where I kind of picked out Duff a little bit more in it. Uh, great, great bass playing. Uh, I think the rhythm section in this song is is pretty pretty solid in this. And again, I find one thing that's very uh consistent with my picks is that I find that the songs that I start digging into slash wise are the ones I really stay with me because I think that slash is such a uh, identifiable guitar player, which is very, you know, very strange nowadays because there aren't too many guitar gods out there anymore. And I think slash is one of the ones that are, that's still around and that's from the newer generation, you know, you know, he's, he's our Jimi Hendrix, you know what I mean? So, uh, and there's not that many of them around now, you know. Yeah. But you know, Eddie Van Halen, <clears throat> Eddie Van Halen's gone, you know, and but Slash is here, and he's very bluesy. He's very, uh, I don't know, his his feel. I I I really I really like his feel of his guitar soloing, and even his rhythm playing. There's a he's kind of sloppy, but there's something very cool about his slop. It's like Ace except better. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Because I I see Slash as Keith to Joe to Slash. He was like the progression of that sort of guitarist mm-hmm. and that sort of attitude. Yeah. Well, they kind weren't exactly this, great players either, right? I not, mean, in yeah, terms of yeah, technically. Yeah, not technically, you know, exquisite. Just play the Rand, right thing. Bluesy. Not Randy Rhodes. Not, yeah. not, certainly not Jimi Hendrix's either yeah. or Pages. Well, Hendrix know. isn't a great t- player. Like, no, but in terms of hell. innovation, he was, you know, okay. he, his innovation, and I'm sorry, Joe Perry is not an innovator. Keith is, was very good at the meat and potatoes playing, you know, and the attitude, the stage presence, you know. So Slash inherited that space for me. Um, Ken, your next pick. Yeah, uh, well, do I get anything for getting another match with anybody? But anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I have to agree with Lonnie on his, you know, uh, do it for the kids. Um, and it was great riff, and this is one of the ones where, you know, it's catchy chorus. It does have an actual catchy chorus in it. Um, and I like the the nice guitar fills that Slash, uh, do you know does throughout the song. Um, and I really like you know I really like the bridge. I mean, writing a, a good bridge is important, and the bridge in this song is really, I thought, very very cool. Um, it's unfortunate. Lots of you know songs either don't have bridges or they they're a crappy bridge. <laughs> um, but you know it was really 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 good song. So that's another one of my picks. Oh, you gotta make Lonnie happy. Agreeing with him, Lonnie. Yeah, give Ken his next pick to agree with. 
Yeah. My number two is Set Me Free. I always have loved the song and I um, was glad it ended up on the album because I, I I loved it when it was on the Hulk soundtrack and I, and I still do. Um, I think that just that opening riff of that song and you can really hear Slash's tone as that riff opens up. Um, and then you get into the vocals and Scott's vocals are really, really deep and, and, and cool as the song kind of comes down a little bit. And then comes back up with that with that riff again. Um, and it's a great solo in it, too. I think it was a song that um, that that started the band. It kind of got, it, you know, I, I remember listening to that song for a year, just waiting for the album itself to come out. And like, God, if the album sounds anything like this, I just the anticipate uh, the anticipation and anticipation and anticipation was just so great. And I've always loved that song from the first time I heard it and still do to this day. And it's their first song. So, right. you know, it, it's kind of the cornerstone for Velvet Revolver. All right. My next pick. Oh, Illegal Eye song. Yeah. I love that. Has your drummer had enough cocaine today? All those triplet fills. You know, I, I love that. It must have been an absolute bitch to perform that drum track. Because uh, every time you turn around, every time there's a gap in like the singing or the vocal or the guitar, triplets. You know, so I actually didn't like that song for that reason back when the album was new. But it just I found it really endearing. I was like, I like that after all. So, you know, all these years later, I like it. It's got similar elements like Big Machine, but it comes across as more cohesive as a song than that other one. And I love the vocal variety from Scott on here. I've I've said I'm not a fan of Scott Wayland, but I do like his singing on this. And it just seems totally locked in to the attitude. So, good song. Really good song, in my opinion. All right, Mark. Number three. Okay, well, my number three. And you know what? I would have probably placed it higher. I think I maybe would have been my number two, all things said. And this is not going to be a popular pick with you guys, I have a feeling. Uh, mainly because when I heard this song, when I started listening to this record the last couple of weeks, this is the one song that immediately made me go, wow, that was a fucking good song. I'm going to listen to that again. And I'm going to put it on headphones this time and really listen to it because, and this will give it away, I really love the sound of the acoustic guitar on this song. And it really showed that if they would have paid more attention to some of the sonics on this record, it would have been such a good record. And that was Loving the Alien. I love that song at the end of the record. I think it was really well sung. The acoustic guitar playing is good. Slash is underrated as an acoustic guitar player. Absolutely in my opinion, he has he uh, not only does he have great feel on electric guitar, but his acoustic guitar playing when he has something really good to play, it's so good. And I I really enjoyed that song. I mean, I think I listened to that song more than probably most of the other songs on the record. I mean, I listened to the whole thing, but I kept going back to that song a few times because I really liked like that song. And also, I'll admit, <clears throat> excuse me, the first time I saw it on the record credits. The track listing, I'm thinking to myself, is that a David Bowie cover they're doing? Because he has a song called Loving the Alien on a record called Tonight. And I really liked that song. I was like, it can't be. So I went and checked and no, it wasn't. But it just that was my introduction to like jumping to that song to hear it. But I wasn't disappointed. It's a great song. No, cool pick. Ken. Yeah, it seems they use songs that uh, have titles from other when I saw Set Me Free, I thought 
oh, did they they cover a sweet song, the sweet you know, or whatever? <laughs> um, but unfortunately, they didn't on that one. Um, but uh, oh, I, I do agree with uh, um, Julian about the. I, I love the drumming on on the illegal song. Yeah, that that was really that's what stuck out to me on that one. But that's not my next pick. Um, my next pick, third pick is for me is uh, you got no right is my third pick. Um, I think it has a fantastic melodic solo in it. Just, just really nice melodic solo. Um, it's a really different song. Um, that's probably why I like. It. I like, you know, kind of. I like variety, you know. So it's really different. I just stripped down, yeah, like, you know, from the rest of the songs. Um, yeah, I, basically, I just said I really like songs. You know, it's real good. <laughs> um, I just that's one I'll go back and listen to again, kind of like Mark was, and go back and listen to the other song. So before Lonnie, before you do your pick, guys, what do you think? There are three ballads on this album. Is that too much? You know, loving the alien. I'm calling a ballad. Um, yeah. You know, the one Ken just mentioned, I think, is the best of the three as ballads, and then fall to pieces. Is that too much for this sort of band to be doing, Mark? Mm. I, I don't know if I would call Falling the Pieces a ballad, but um, yeah, I think three ballads on a record is usually a lot, but there's, there's a difference in these ballads. They're, they're not the sappy, like, baby, I love you kind of, you know, ballads that you expect when you Ooh, think baby, of a baby. ballad. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, it's, and it's not just, you know, down to like one acoustic guitar and some guy crying in his beard, you know, kind of thing. It's, these are, I don't know. Like, that's why when I heard you say that falling to fall to pieces of the ballad, I was like, really? I, I would never would have called it that. But, you know, hey, that doesn't mean you're you're wrong. That's how you see it. That's how you see it. But I could three ballads, three ballads on a well, three ballads on a on a record are is usually a lot. But I guess it depends on how you define ballad. Nice, Ken. Yeah, what was the question again? <laughs> no, three, the ballads. Three three songs, songs. I, I'm I'm okay for it. Like I said. It, it broke up the songs. I think it was good to to you know break it up a little bit, uh, slow it down. I think if if everything was just at the same level with all these rockers, it it kind of would have been too much. Um, I think you have to break it up. Yeah, yeah, two would have been probably the right amount, and there's no right or wrong. But I think uh, three is is not a problem, especially when you have thirteen songs. All right, Lonnie, tell us about the, whether three ballads or whether I'm wrong of calling one a ballad and then give us your third pick. I think you're exactly right for calling all three of them a ballad. But I, I also think that, like Ken said, we're for 13 songs, you know, some change of paces in there, I think are fine. You know, I, I, I think it would, it would lose something if all of them were, were, were fast and heavy and there was no change of pace um, throughout the album. And I think Loving the Alien is the greatest song to end the album. I just love the way the album ends um, with that slash playing. It almost sounds to me almost like Sweet Child of Mine a little bit with that riff over and over and over mm -hmm. again at the end. It reminds me of Sweet Child yeah. of Mine. It's like, what a perfect way to end that album is with him doing like a, a, a solo in the same vein as Sweet Child of Mine. I, I almost put it in my top three. and I listen to that song a whole lot still. So I, Mark had a good selection with that. I almost put it in my top three. Thank you, sir. But my favorite song on the album is Sucker Train Blues, that you guys had, had mm. mentioned earlier. I love the way that song opens. 
um, just kind of builds a little bit. And then it's just wild and screaming and using his megaphones. Like, it's just like, it's like you know, what, what Scott Weiland is. And it's, and it's a great introduction to the band with merge merging like that Guns N' Roses style of playing with the, with the guitar and the riffs and Weiland kind of doing his signature thing too. It's, it's a great way to open the album and say, you know, this is, this is, this is it. This is who we are. We are the perfect blend of these two bands coming together. So I, it's, it is my favorite, by far my favorite song on the album. And I remember um, when the album came out, you know, I, I went on my lunch break to go get it. It's like, you know, it was one of those days where, you, you know, I, I don't want to wait until I'm done with work. I got, I got to go get it on my lunch break. And actually Gene Simmons asshole came out the same day. So I went and bought both of them on my lunch break. Oh. And I, and I, um, I had heard sa- more samples of asshole than I had this. So I, I listened to this on my way back to work because I already heard some samples of asshole. <laughs> so, um, but the, I popped this in and listened to Sucker Train Blues. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the song that they opened with when when I when I saw the concert a month ago. I was like, yeah, that's that's really really good. So by far my favorite song on the album. At least one of those purchases wasn't gonna let you down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So can I rain on your guys' parade about loving the alien? I'm like, the, I'm like, my notes on this are, this is not a good ending point, and I don't think it's a good representation. It feels forced, generic, and contrived. There's way too much of the Guns N' Roses kitchen sink on this song. Thanks but it's not terrible. <laughs> the opposite of what Lonnie just said. Thanks, thanks for okay. bringing me down. <laughs> All right, my, my last pick. And one of you's already picked Slither, so I, I'm going to go with Headspace. And it's my head always starts moving with this song. It's just got that thing that makes my head start bopping. And it's hard not to like the message of the chorus. I guess it's very autobiographical of what Scott Wayland was facing in a challenging part of his life. There's a lot of references throughout this album to substances, to abuse, to relationships, to toxicity in a variety of areas. And, you know. I just really like how it's portrayed in this song um, more. And it, it's just a, a real good rocker. So you guys can now attack my picks. I said, hey, on my notes for that, I said, very cool riff. Uh, I said, uh, I was thinking, uh, I hear more of the STP type vocals on that song uh, you I, I say std type of st no no stp wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. another song that's from another yeah. song so anyway uh roll after dark <laughs> yeah yeah and uh what else i write yeah night i mean it was a nice solo in there so yeah it's a pretty good song we've already talked about the producer so i don't think we need to talk about the pluses and minuses because mm. uh, i think mike clink is the alternative uh, would anyone disagree with that, Mark? Well, would you have picked someone else? I don't disagree, but but somebody who I thought that might have been good to maybe have been brought on because he was hot in this time period was uh, Rick Rubin. He did a lot of stuff with the Chili Peppers, and he had he had an interesting sound. It may not be a sound that I was totally hip to, but no matter <clears throat> no matter what, when you hear a Chili Peppers album like Blood Sugar Sex Magic or something like that he has they all have their sound to them and you can call it dated or you can call it whatever you want but when you hear that record 
it's it has its own signature to it and maybe if somebody like that if you would have added that sort of element to this maybe it would have been a different kind of record hmm interesting lonnie you stick with uh mike link yeah i would have I, I still would have stick with mike link i think he yeah. could have gotten more out of the musicianship um and he was used to dealing with those guys and knew he would have known what it would have taken um to get them to reach their max potential all right ken any thoughts on an alternative producer or you just don't care not i mean not really i mean i i think of these other producers like uh that would definitely not fit like mutt lang wouldn't oh, work <laughs> wouldn't work bob ezrin wouldn't work you know things like that so yeah what what they did is is fine but uh i think yeah the clink would have been better yeah i'm with lonnie on that since it was basically a guns reunion. All right, let's get into at least three favorites. You know, which of the three, Mark, that really don't work for you on this album? Was it a difficult task, and why don't they work? Just give us all three and your thoughts on them. It wasn't really a difficult task. I mean, let's put it this way. There's nothing on this record, I think, that's a real stinker. I think, for me, it's more being a situation where there are songs I definitely remembered from this record the next day or even the next day after that, and there are definitely songs that I just found, I don't want to say forgettable, but just not as strong. Let's just put it that way. So my three that I picked, and I'll have a little note for each one of them. I picked uh, Big Machine as one that I didn't like, uh, mainly because I thought the lyrics were kind of weak. Musically, it's sort of nothing too special. Uh, he's They've written better stuff musically and structurally than that song, I think. Uh, ironically... Uh, the song that you guys picked that you guys liked and Ken brought up because he said he liked it because it, it kind of had an STP thing to it. Headspace was one I didn't like specifically for that reason. I hate STP and because it kind of reminded me of STP, I didn't like it at all. And the last one that I picked was uh, Do It For The Kids. I didn't like the intro to that song at all. I thought it was kind of tacky. And I just thought that overall it was just not not a very memorable song to me. I mean, like I said, there's nothing terrible on this record. But it's just whether it's either I really remembered some of this stuff or I didn't remember it. So I have to now go and listen to some STP because I had no idea Headspace sounded like STP. So there you go. Sometimes <laughs> it's good to be ignorant uh, before you hear something. Ken, what are your least three favorites on this album and why? Yeah, um, I'm just trying to figure. I think one of them was Big Machine. Um, I think... Um, Mark also said that. Um, yeah. I thought it was pretty good, but I said it's just it's just okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't like the filtered mic bit, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff too much. Overdoing that kind of stuff in the song. Um, that's one of them. Uh, another one was the which one was it now? Um, I just had it here. Oh, um, spectacle. Um, I thought, you know, it's, it's a decent rocker. It's good, but it's it's one of, that's one another one that's kind of like not. I'm not gonna remember it so much like some other ones that they have. Um, and then another one. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I I can't have a really. I don't think I really have a third as you know, not so good. But it's, it was hard. It's hard to pick. So. I'll just leave it at those two. Yeah, I had, I had a problem picking three as well. I, it was easy to pick two that I don't care for, and then I kind of had to stretch. Uh, Lonnie. 
You have uh, to pick your least three favorite, and of course, is, they're not songs you don't like. It is difficult, um, and the, the my least favorite song on here is better than anything off of Libertad that came out a few years later. Wow. Really? Um, yeah. Well, except except for maybe the first song, I do like. I, I don't. Oh, the first two songs on there. I do like the first two songs off Libertad. Um, she mine and uh, and uh, the, fir- the first song on there. I, I know how it goes. But I don't know the title of it off the top of my head. Um, but but let it roll. Let it roll. That's it. It's great great little song. It's about three minutes long. It's really fun, really fast. Um, I first I'm getting way off topic here. But first time I listened to Libertad and listened to those first two songs, I'm like, all right, here we go. And it goes down. Just went downhill from there. It goes downhill from there pretty good. <laughs> unfortunately <clears throat> wish i wish it could have lived up to this but if i had the if i had the pick on i would say spectacle just because um it's one of the more forgettable songs on the album um where it doesn't have like a signature riff to it and it doesn't have um just just great lyrics to it or, or, or you know catchy lyrics to it it's fine it's i wouldn't say it's bad at all but i, I would say it's fine and um i really like superhuman i can't say that i guess i'm gonna say big machine would be a second one that is just okay um but it's it's not bad but it's just okay this is tough i would have moved big machine (laughs) down in the track list a little bit i wouldn't i wouldn't have put it up number three on the track list maybe i don't know this is tough this is like telling me to pick my least favorite songs off revenge it's it's like it's tough so I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna cop out like ten and pick two because I can't do it. I can't do anything. <laughs> Big Machine was, of course, the song that I said uh, the flat pancake drumming. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. But it but it didn't make my list uh, as a least favorite because it has a '70s glam feel to it to me. So mm-hmm. you know, all right, my th- my three spectacle. It's just paint by numbers. It's like mature musicians dialing in an easy song, and it's exactly what you'd expect to hear from them. There's absolutely nothing. It doesn't have that X factor to make it spectacular. So it's just, you know, phoned in. Fall to pieces, without a doubt. I don't like syrupy, sappy, crappy, pee-breaky songs. Um, Sorry. And I don't don't (laughs) like the video for it either. So I did watch the three videos from the songs. And then my third, it would be a real stretch for me to get to three. Um, But I'll do it. Um, (laughs) Do it for the kids. And it's simply because of those call outs, because I like the vibe of the song. So it really is a stretch to get to three. But I'm just not going to be the second person to cop out. The third person. So <laughs> you got to keep balance and harmony. So, um, right. B-sides. There's a ton mm. for this yes. album. I mean, obviously you've you've got uh, money, which you know w- was uh, a song released on uh, the Italian Job soundtrack, and then you've got various different songs that pop up on different versions. No more, no more. Aerosmith cover. Um, Scott is no Steven is my notes. Um, Surrender, a cheap shirt cover. Meh is my note on that. Uh, Fall to Pieces acoustic. I said I really didn't want another version of it. I don't like the I don't want the first version either. Um, it's about as unplugged as MTV Unplugged. Bodies, Sex Pistols. It's one of my favorite Pistols songs of all time. And my notes on this are Scott is no John, and the guitars are nowhere near Jonesy either. 
So, and then of course there's a uh, come on, come in from the fantastic four, which I haven't listened to. So Mark, you got run through the, uh, the B size of stuff that you like stuff. You didn't. Um, honestly, uh, I really enjoyed the covers to be honest with you. There was a moment when I was listening to the record and listening to covers, I was starting to find myself saying, forget the album. I'm listening to the covers. I thought I actually thought that the covers were almost better in some ways. Uh, Cause I really like, uh, toys in the attic the album so when i saw no more no more was on there i was like oh that's, that's pretty good and then the one thing i noticed about these covers i don't know if you guys will agree with me on this or not but all the covers i did, did like no more no more uh surrender um you know and some of the other songs that they did on there they all sound like songs that influenced the band directly like aerosmith is obviously a huge you know influence on this band i think same with cheap trick I guarantee you Cheap Trick is a big influence on them as well, you know, and when they play these songs, you can tell they it seems like, you know, they're having a lot of fun playing these songs, you know, and yeah, he's not, you know, Steven Tyler and he's not, you know, what's his name from uh, Cheap Trick, Robin Sander, uh, but it's they, they really I really get the feel that they're really trying to do their best interpretation of it without trying to make a direct, direct, you know, note for note cover of it, but it's still pretty close to note for note. But uh, the Sex Pistols one I thought was kind of fun. Uh, yes, it's not the same as hearing the Sex Pistols do. You can, nobody can do a Sex Pistols song as good as the Sex Pistols themselves, you know, but I kind of got the feeling that that was done because maybe it was a, taken from an early tour. Maybe they only had the first, not one record at the time. And, you know, you got to fill up a set, if you're, especially if they're going to be playing as a headlining band, you got to pull out other material. So I thought this was probably a, a fun live cover for them to do. Uh, the one cover I didn't like, mainly because I always hated this band and I always hated this song. And this is Nirvana, uh, Negative Creep, wow. terrible. Absolute junk. I just wanted to get my garbage can and just puke into it. It was just so terrible. You know, I mean, Nirvana, uh, I don't know. They were the worst thing that ever happened to music in this country. And they they directly killed, you know, a form of music that I really enjoyed. Hate me for saying it, yes. But, I mean, I was into the whole 80s, late 80s metal stuff. You know, there was, there was more than just Poison and stuff that was out at that time, too. There was bands like Sabotage and other bands that were out around that time. And all that stuff went into the dustbin, according to the radio, the record executives who thought better that it's time to sign a bunch of flannel wearing, you know, junkheads from Seattle instead and release their terrible music that they were writing. So when I saw that they did that, I was like, wow, I don't know why you guys would have sto- stooped so low to play a Nirvana song on there, but... So what are we gonna do? Never mind on on this podcast. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say let's do an utero, you know, <laughs> just, just Mark. So I put a quarter in Mark what? today with our negative creep. That's actually my favorite of the wow. sides. I love how they did that. Uh, so yeah, okay. And, we won't see eye to eye on everything, right? No, and that's perfectly fine. I'm you know from from the pistols' point of view, um, I think I'm just happy they didn't do anarchy, you know. Mm. And come on, bodies, that's a good one. They might as well have done Belson for that matter. So, Ken, give us your take on all of these B-sides and whatnot. Well, well first of all, it, like with Mark, uh, like, uh, was it uh, Video Killed the 
Radio the star. radio star. Yeah, you should do a bonus track on your next album. You know, the Nirvana killed the metal or heavy metal star or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> just you, you make your own words. You know. Yeah. Um, all right. So since today was the first day I listened to this Velvet Revolver album, um, I did listen to two of the extras or other ones, which was Come On. I thought it was just okay, um, and it's not something that you know, I'd want to go back and you know really listen listen to again. Um, money, I, I really don't get it. I can't say they were influenced by Pink Floyd at all uh, with their music, but uh, I guess it's just you know they like the Pink Floyd and you know it's all oh, let's do do money or whatever. Um, I think it's a uh, you know it's, that was a decent cover. Um, but you know, it's hard to, <laughs> you know, that's such a classic Pink Floyd song. I'm surprised they even touched it really. Um, but you know, yeah, they did a decent hard rock version of it. I would, I would say, um, otherwise I, I haven't heard those other ones, um, that you talked about and they're probably just more, you know, it's a, it's a, your standard cover and okay. They do okay job on it. It's kind of like a tribute, a tribute to those artists. So, yep. Okay, Lonnie, tell us about that. I, start off with the Fantastic Four one, since you reminded me that came. That's kind of like a, a segue in between albums, isn't it? That comes later. Um, that came out in '05, summer of '05. Um, they were still touring for Contraband when that came out, and I saw them summer of '05 in Springfield, Illinois, and I think they did it that night just because it was something new to play they've been touring for a year they had a new song out on a soundtrack you know so you know i i'm, I'm really sure they did it that night so um that, that, i thought that was fine i i um i think if it would i think if it, it was fun for me at the time because it was a new velvet revolver song um but i think had it been on the album i think it i think it would have been just okay to me you know what i mean but because it was a new song and a new single a year later after the album came out it was it was more exciting um that's kind of and i i think it's an okay song i i, I like it better than than maybe than and i'm not trying to dog any song on the song but i'm like i like think i like it better than spectacle or or um or big machine but i think it's i think it's a fine i i really liked it at the time but i kind of look back on it now i'm like oh it's just kind of okay you kind of over psyched yourself up for that a little bit but i i do like the song i think surrender is is just okay you know everybody covers surrender it seems like and you know it's just kind of like okay you guys did surrender okay that's that's great um i thought no more no more was was cool though if you're doing aerosmith song you don't do a, a staple aerosmith song you do no more no more off, off one of their best albums but one song that they were doing live at the time um was wish you were here uh, well, they did money the Pink Floyd song. I wish I think Wish You Were Here could have would have been um, would have been a cool cover to put on one of these B sides too. But I get the point of not doing two Pink Floyd songs. But the fact that they were doing it live at the time, I thought would have been a lot of fun to do it. So. Um, Negative creep, don't have a problem with it. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think Guns always does a lot of covers. So I thought I thought it was cool that they put out. Um, some different covers as B-sides. I think it was very fitting. Well, there we are. This band was a mess. 
drugs, <laughs> ego, mm-hmm. broke them up in the end. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. You know, what are your your kind of your final thoughts on Contraband? Obviously, uh, I've already flashed it. I did get the second album. I also had the EP, uh, which had a, I yeah. think another cover on it as well. Yeah, um, I couldn't find. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't find that I anymore. Um, but that second album really didn't live up to expectations. It was really kind of one note. I think I agree with you, Lonnie. You know, those first two songs set a really good tone, and then it oh, just yeah. kind of meanders from there. Um, Mark, would you listen? Would you continue listening to Contraband, or you, now you've explored it, move on? Um, honestly, I think I'd probably just move on. Um, I was, it was interesting, but like I said, that whole time period for me, I was in such a different headspace uh, musically then, but who yeah. knows? I mean, you know, like I, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I don't mean to diss your album, Lonnie. I mean, it's. I, I don't like doing it because I can understand that it's probably maybe something that was very important to you at a time of your life. Like you said, you're going through divorce and stuff like that. So I don't mean to be no. uh, in, insensitive about it, but you know, uh, it's just not I'll something I was. Time, I, it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't really listening to that kind of music at that time. Like I said, I was listening to a lot of different hard rock and metal at that time. But you know, it's like I said, it's not a bad record. I, I kind of put it on a listening thing where I really like Izzy Stradlin, the Juju Hounds, that first album they put out together. Mm-hmm. And I can see me when I'm in a mood to listen to that, to maybe pull this one out as well and have like a night where I listen to these kind of records. You know what I mean? Like the kind of more cerebral sort of hard rock records, you know? So it's not a bad record, but it's probably one of these things I would listen to occasionally. So, Ken, you listened to it for the first time today. Um, when do you think you'll encounter it next uh, in the mood to go back to Velvet Revolver? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll say, I mean, you got to give an album at least you know, like three listens through, <laughs> you know, because sometimes things will it'll catch, you'll, you'll get pick up more mm-hmm. and uh, they'll become more catchy uh, on further listen. So, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to it definitely a couple more times um, to, you know, see what ones really, I mean, it, it may, my list may change or whatever, how I feel on certain songs, but uh, definitely want to, you know, give it a chance, right? And uh, see, you know, if I want to go out and finally buy it after all these years. So. <laughs> There you go. I, I think I'm more excited for this adventure because there is an album next to this, both of these in, in my shelf. And I'm going to be listening to that next mm-hmm. because it's been a while since I've had a, it's the only LA guns album that I own other than the Paul black LA guns one that came out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know what? I, I don't visit it very often. I enjoyed revisiting it, but I don't see it. You know, if I'm going to listen to that sort of music, I'm going to listen to appetite or illusion mm-hmm. and you know, I, I don't. I've never heard Slash's Snake Pit. I, I just Ooh, didn't that's care. Good that's good. I've, I've followed all of his. Especially that second album. Like you know, song. but uh, I, I just wasn't interested in Slash <laughs> uh, as as a player. So you know, there we are. All right. I think that's enough. I that almost got. I almost got the silhouette of that girl from the cover tattooed on me. Oh, oh wow. I'm glad, and I'm so glad I did not. <laughs> Your wife is glad too. She is exceptionally glad I did not do that. I've told her that story. She's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah, I was this close to doing it. That's that's when your judgment gets called into question, Lonnie, with stuff like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right, there we go. So what do you think about, you know, Contraband or Velvet Revolver? You know, obviously only around for two two albums. Scott's now passed away, you know, and uh, I guess some of them are back in guns. Is Sorman back in guns or who is their drummer? Frank Ferreira. Oh, okay. But Duff and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my, my notes start off bashing on uh, Sorum as well, because it seemed every time I liked a band, he'd pop up in it. The cult, obviously, he popped up in that. And then he popped up in Guns N' Roses. I'm like, why did they get rid of Adler? I loved Adler. I thought he was perfect. You know, mm-hmm. again, he comes out of that same sort of school as Peter Chris, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe a bit too much. But there you go. All right. So what do you think of the band, the album, our picks, your picks? Where do we get it wrong? Where do you think your picks are better? Tell us why. And uh, thanks for joining us. So for now, from Mark, Lonnie, Ken and myself, we'll see you next time. It's been a long time since we've rock and rolled. But that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance, as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Inceptia. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. <laughs>